I'm Rev. Shannon Moore, and you're listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Every Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we gather in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd to sing, take communion, and worship. If you'd like to join us, in person or virtually, please visit our website, universitychristian.org, for more details. So for this year during Advent, I decided we're just going to jump right on ahead to Christmas. (laughs) So um, I want to look at different aspects of the Christmas story over these next three weeks. And today we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew's version of the Christmas story, which uh, we're familiar with Matthew because it seems like we've been in Matthew for four years. Um, But it's really only been a few months. Um, But before we get into that Christmas story, I want to give you a little bit of background Um, to help set up why Matthew tells the story in the way that he does. So we're going to go back uh, to the 8th century before Christ and uh, the prophet Isaiah. You may remember that the kingdom of Israel had been split. There was a northern kingdom and there was a southern kingdom. That southern kingdom was called Judah. And the king there was a man named Ahaz, King Ahaz. And there was an alliance of kingdoms in the north who were attacking Judah, that southern kingdom of Israel. And so Isaiah visited the king and said, God wants you to pick something. Just pick a sign, any sign that you want God to do. And when that thing happens, you will know that Judah's going to be okay. And Ahaz said, eh, no thanks. I'm not going to do that. So God picked the sign. God said a young woman would conceive and bear a son and name him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. Well, in the next chapter, Isaiah's wife, who's also a prophet, gave birth to a son. Now those, that was the sign. And the northern kingdoms were destroyed and they were not able to take over Judah. However, later on, the Assyrians did attack Judah. And the citizens of Judah were killed and enslaved. So hold that in your mind as we move forward about a thousand years to the writing of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was writing to an audience of Jewish Christians about 40 years or so after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Only 15 years before Matthew wrote this Gospel, Rome had put down an uprising in Jerusalem and destroyed the city and destroyed the temple. This was a tremendous loss for the Jewish people. That temple was God's home on earth, and it had been destroyed. And not only that, but Rome had a great big celebration to celebrate the destruction of Jerusalem, and they put items from the temple on display as prizes of their accomplishment, of their destruction. So the future was not bright for the Jewish people and the leaders were working hard to hold this religion together, to hold Judaism together. But then we also had this group of Jewish folks who were following Christ and so now they're sort of torn. Is is Jesus the Messiah or do we find God in the temple and the synagogue? They kind of didn't know what to do. And there were tensions between these two groups. And eventually they would split into Judaism and Christianity. And so Matthew's gospel seems to be focused on this group of Christ followers who also 
feel a strong tie to the Jewish community, but there's a lot of tension there. So if we look at the big picture, Old Testament and New Testament, we've got the Israelites who would later be called the Jews um, who had seen great prosperity in their history. You know, if we look back, we, there's King David and King Solomon and the building of the temple and military might and military power. And then we also have times of devastation and destruction and oppression up and down throughout their history. And as Matthew was writing his gospel, they were definitely in that latter situation. It was a time of destruction and devastation and oppression. So with all of that in mind, I want you to listen to Matthew's version of the Christmas story. There's no angels, there's no, no angel choirs, no shepherds, no donkey riding to Bethlehem, no stable, no manger, none of that. It's actually a time of crisis for two people. This is Matthew's story of the gospel. The birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah that we talked about earlier. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. It's a pretty simple account. There's not a lot of details. We do know that Mary and Joseph weren't living together yet, but they were legally bound together. Uh, marriage wasn't really about uh, love. It was more about legality and an economic uh, situation to ensure that a family lineage would, would go on. But even though it wasn't about love, uh, often people would fall in love. We know that would happen, but uh, it could not be broken except for that arrangement, except for by death or by divorce. And then Mary gets pregnant, and Joseph knows he's not the father, and that is really embarrassing really embarrassing for him for his family really embarrassing for Mary and her family and it's a big deal they could have killed Mary they could have put her to death Joseph chose not to do that he's described as a righteous man and decides he's just going to divorce her quietly be done with it that's the decision that he made but then Joseph had a dream and in that time, dreams were seen as like a portal, an opening between our life on earth and the spiritual realm. And if you look at the Old Testament, there's a lot of accounts of dreams, of God speaking to people through dreams in the Old Testament. So this angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Don't be afraid. 
Mary was not unfaithful to you. This child is from the Holy Spirit. And she's going to bear a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Meaning that Joseph will be entrusted with the care of and naming of this child. Claiming him as part of his legal family. It's a big deal. And then we've got that part about the fulfillment of prophecy. Quoting Isaiah. Child will be conceived and be named Emmanuel. It's more than, look, this is what is, was supposed to happen a long time ago. The angel is reminding Joseph of this time in Israel's history when they were full of fear and dread. And the child that was born to Isaiah was the proof of God's presence in their midst. And then Joseph woke up. He was obedient. He followed the command in the dream. He took Mary as his wife. He claimed Jesus as his own. He named him Jesus, which was a common name like Josh. And it means to save. That common name sort of hints toward the kind of king or Messiah that Jesus would be, not your typical monarch. There was something else the angel said. He will save his people from their sins. Not he's going to save them from the Roman Empire. Not he's going to regain political power for them. This is going to be a king who is filled with humility and restraint and uses his power and authority to restore the lost. Not might, but to restore the lost. Lost souls back to a better relationship with God. And as the gospel unfolds, we see Jesus giving time and attention and his power to the sick and the oppressed and the poor and even the Gentiles. I think one of the things we do as we read scripture is we, we tend to personalize it. And that's okay. There's a place for that. But there's also a bigger picture at work. This sin that is mentioned in this scripture, that's corporate the sin of the world, whatever it is that separates us from or, or keeps us or prevents us from doing the things that draw us closer to each other and to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew is more interested in the, the details of the identity of the child rather than telling a, a big story. So the question we need to ask ourselves is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to us as a congregation? Who is Jesus to our church? Who is Jesus to our community? To Texas, to the United States, to the world? Who is Jesus? This one named to save. This one called Emmanuel. God is with us. The temple had been destroyed and Matthew's readers had been devastated by that. But in the telling of this story and by saying that God is with us, Jesus' birth testifies to that. Not that God will be with us or God was with us, but God is with us. If you think about Joseph, 
engaged, plans for a future, and then they're crushed because he believes that Mary has been unfaithful to him. His drink, they're crushed, and, and he's got to start all over. Mary, poor Mary, <laughs> living her life, hoping to have a new husband. And now this thing happens, and she doesn't know what he's going to do. The readers of Matthew's gospel could identify with the crisis these two folks found themselves in, that the hope for a future they had envisioned was gone. The temple was gone. Their friends had been killed. Their family had been killed. Their friends had been enslaved. Jerusalem was flattened. Where was the hope for the future? And Christians throughout the centuries have been reminded through times of trial and persecution that Jesus is not just God with us, as if that weren't enough, but also God is with us. That Jesus is a living reminder that God is with us. When I do funerals, there's an old prayer that I found in an old prayer book and there's a line that I say almost every funeral in one of my prayers which is God you who walk with us at midday are also our companion in the midnight hour Jesus birth reminds us that God is with us in times of deliverance and in times of suffering and in times of joy and in times of sadness, in the brightness of the midday and in the darkness of the midnight hour. And that little word makes all the difference is God is with us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Simple Worship Podcast. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at universitychristian.org. If you like this sermon, please share it with others. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.